the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Or Salem Media Group. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Wow. <laughs> I am just so glad to be back. The uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I had to pre-record some shows and play them. And it is so good to be back here on a Saturday morning. So, um, by the way, feel free to call in. If you have any questions today, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. You know what's amazing is how many of the headlines are so negative. I just can't believe it. With all the good things that are going on, nobody's paying attention. The um, And you know what? That's actually a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing for investors because it gives you an opportunity to take advantage of what's going to be happening over the next few years and uh it's awesome i mean it's awesome the uh we'll be talking about that a little bit more in today's show we'll also talk about anything that, that you want to talk about i've got a, a wide variety of topics today so just kind of bounce around like i normally do but uh anyway one of the things i did want to mention as well you know i had a um an intern a few years ago in fact, I had him on a radio show with me. He came on and we talked uh, probably three or four times. His name was Nick Margevichis. And Nick is the starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres today. <laughs> he's going to be starting. He's going to be pitching for the San Diego Padres. Uh, he, was a, he was a great kid. The um, super nice, uh, upstanding. It couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah, this guy, he's 22 years old. He's uh, left-handed. When he uh, was an intern, he was still in high school. It was before he went to college. And uh, it was pretty funny because uh, he was, well, he was probably, I don't know, maybe a half inch inch shorter than I am. Now he's about three inches taller than me. <laughs> but, uh, and he grew, that was after high school that he grew. You know, it's uh, pretty wild. Anyway, he throws a uh, um, low 90s, not, not a, a super hard thrower. That that's really hard for the vast majority of us, though. But man, he's got a wicked sinker. It drops like a rock. So anyway, I just thought that was so cool. Uh, Nick Margavich is starting tomorrow against the Giants. And uh, that is that is really cool. Anyway, back to the uh, a lot of the stuff at hand. You know, I got I've been getting a lot of questions lately on companies involved in the uh, cannabis industry. Um, Pot, basically pot stocks. That's what they're called. Excuse me. That's what they're calling them. And uh, I have to tell you, at some point in time, there are there are not. Uh, it's got to be a couple hundred different 
viable uses for some of the chemical compounds found in uh, marijuana. Uh, not necessarily, you know, smoking it, but extracting it. There are oils. There, there are lots of things. And I mean, just it's unbelievable all this stuff that I've been reading over the past few years. But I have to tell you, when you look at the companies, the stocks that are involved in that industry, it's just a little bit too early. And I hate being the bad guy all the time saying, hey, look, it's too early. That's too aggressive. It's too risky. Yeah, but you know what? That's my job. That is my job is to keep you away from the hard ones. Those are incredibly difficult. Yes, they have good stories. Very few of them have any math to back it up. Or in other words, they're not making any money. In fact, they're losing money. They're spending a tremendous amount of money to get started. And those businesses take any nor This is not a business that you would start on, you know, in your house. <laughs> they take a huge amount of money. And uh, it reminds me a lot of where the Internet stocks were in the late 90s. And everybody, and you know what else it really reminds me of? Is the, uh, the crypt, digital currencies. It reminds me of the cryptocurrencies, you know, and in fact, it's that they're actually better than the cryptocurrencies, by the way, because the cryptocurrencies, they don't pay anybody anything. They don't make any money. That was pure spec. That, that was a Dutch tulip bulb. The cryptocurrencies are Dutch tulip bulbs. The cannabis companies are making real products. They're going to get real profit. A lot of the better uses actually, actually are going to be from pharmaceutical companies. And the pharmaceutical companies will probably get involved when it becomes completely okay, when there's no risk to having a uh, federal uh, law strike down existing laws. So um, anyway, or a, or a state law that's going to you know counter the federal law because that can be enforced on a state level. So it's very complicated. And I'm telling you right now, the revenue that those companies are generating does not justify their share prices. It, it's mostly hype. So, and I feel bad because I know a lot of people want to invest in that. And I know there are some pretty important, famous people. But you know what? Those important, famous people are not putting their last dime in it. In fact, they could afford to, to blow millions and millions of dollars on that and wouldn't, ever, wouldn't affect their lifestyle. So when they tell you, oh, yeah, I'm investing in that and, uh, well, yeah, how much, what percentage of your, you know, net worth are you investing in there? I, I bet you it's not more than one. I'm, I'm sure it's not more than 1%. So, and if it is, well, I feel bad for you <laughs> because it's just going to happen. And, uh, anyway, I'll get off that horse, the, uh, or I quit beating that horse. It's, uh, it's dead about five minutes ago. <laughs> the, uh, that's an old Southern phrase, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't mean anything by it. I, I would never hit a horse. You know, actually, I'm afraid of horses. <laughs> I got bit by one on a shoulder when I was nine. So I kind of stay away from them. But uh, lovely animals. Uh, they look nice. <laughs> but anyway, so a little bit too early on that. Uh, at some point in time, they're probably going to be a good deal. And by the way, when, when I think they're going to be a good deal is when I'm, most people are going to hate them. Because their share prices will be down so far, they'll all have given up on it. They'll all be looking for the next big bag of air. Because <laughs> that's what they like to do. Yeah. And by the way, that's typically, they're, they're normally younger people that do that or people that don't have a lot of um, experience investing. Because the first thing you want to ask for 
when you're looking at a company to invest in is how much in sales are they doing? What, what are your sales? The next question should be, what kind of profit margin can you reasonably expect? Okay, those are the first two questions. What are your sales? What kind of profit margin could you reasonably expect? Now, that's part of that 60-second test that will be available on May 2nd at the seminar that we're having that's free. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you go to my website, you can sign up for the seminar for free. It's the uh, same place, uh, same times, BullingtonCapital.com. Click on the seminar tab. It's free. Seating is limited. And by that time, we will have the Lookout for the Bull website up. That'll be done at that point in time. Even if it's not completely finished, it'll be done. So, in fact, that's where we're going to unveil it at the May 2nd seminar. So the Lookout for the Bull website is going to contain things like I just talked about, the 60-second test. How do I know what a company should normally sell for? Well, first of all, I've been doing this for 30 years, by the way. uh, Secondly, there are only a, a handful of variables that really matter much. Everything else is just, it's hot air. You know, my entire industry is based on hot air. <laughs> it, it blows my mind. But you know what? I, I, I get it because people, they crave detail. People crave, no matter how unhelpful that detail may be, a lot of people just crave detail. And they crave, they, it, what they're really trying to do is build up a case in their mind to make their decision um, more solid. They're trying to increase the chances of a successful investment. Well, uh, that's great. You know, do whatever you need to do. But the reality is there are only a handful of things that you can, that you can know anyway. And you do need to know those. You, you really do. When you're, I, I use 95% now, I'm using exchange traded funds. They're very specific. They've been selected from the thousands of available funds because of the criteria that they select the stocks by. And the criteria is typically it's, it, there are four or five items. That's it. Each one of them's got four or five items. And there are some that are incredibly important to me uh, because I've been doing this for a long time and I like what I see in companies that have very good returns on their investment. Uh, I really like the valuation portion. I think those, those two features are extremely important. I know they are in the long run. In fact, they're you know, probably in the top 2%. So um, what, I'm, what am I saying here? I'm saying basically, if you know how to select a stock with the 60-second test, then you can go and see and, and understand more of what's going on inside the funds that you're invested in. And, and I think it'll give you peace of mind. That peace of mind that you're looking for, you're not going to get it reading books on finance. You're not going to get it taking college courses on finance because they're teaching an awful lot of stuff that's actually not applicable to valuing stocks. Some of it is. Actually, a very small portion of it is. The rest of it is basically, um, it's necessary for their jobs, but it's not necessary for an owner of a business to get a good idea of how much that business should be selling for. So that's a lot simpler. And, uh, you know, it's... I. If they only talked about that on television, by the way, you'd have about, oh, 35 minutes of television a day and the rest of it, <laughs> which incidentally, 
you've got about 35 minutes of useful television a day. <laughs> the rest of this stuff that they're talking about, it's really not that it's significant. It's not. But they have to sell ads. I get it. You know, yeah, trying to make it um, interesting. Talk about a tough job. That is tough. If you know that only a handful of items are really all that significant, and you've got 24 hours to fill, <laughs> and the average uh, number of words per minute that a talking head on television will use up is somewhere close to 200, that's a lot of stuff to have to come up with. That's a lot of stuff. And, and you know, I'm amazed. They do a good job. <laughs> they really do a good job. But it's really not all that important. No, you know, I know people are listening to the show and probably wishing I would go on to other topics. And incidentally, if you'd like me to talk about a topic on the air, I would like you to email me, bill at bullingtoncapital.com, and tell me what it is. Yeah, I'd love to talk about those things I think that the public wants to hear. Uh, it's a, uh, you know, that's probably a pretty good idea, being that, you know, this is a financial program. <laughs> and it's an informational program. So if there's something that you'd like to hear about, uh, feel free to email me. It's bill at bullingtoncapital.com, and I will try to work it in. In fact, when I come back from the very first commercial break, which is coming up here in a couple of minutes, uh, I did get some uh, some comments that were sent to me this week by some people that I thought was pretty interesting. So I think I'll talk about that a little bit on today's show. And uh, it has to do with movements in the stock market. And uh, uh, I think it's pretty fascinating. And uh, some people are listening so closely that they pick up or are reading so intently, rather, that they pick up these things uh, outside of my show and then uh, write in to ask me about it. So that's pretty cool. And I think, uh, oh, yeah, you know what? I forgot to tell you that that seminar is actually May 2nd. And uh, I have to go to my website right now. It's May 2nd. We always do them at the Tri-C's uh, Tri Corporate College over on the east side and uh, very Super nice building, building there. The facilities are, are excellent. There's no cost to attend. They do a very good job laying out refreshments. You know, we're going to talk for about 45 minutes, take a 15-minute uh, break, and then uh, come back and answer questions. And I mean, you know, I may just run the whole thing for just an hour. We'll go 45 minutes, and then I'll 15 minutes I'll take questions. And I always hang around. And they, they do a really good job uh, putting out refreshments, so you can go hang out around there, too and uh, get something to eat and uh, hang around. And if you have a question that you uh, would like me to answer, and by the way, if I can't, if I don't know the answer, I can find it. That's one of the benefits of having done this for about 30 years is I've met just about everybody you can meet in the field, in various fields. And if I don't know the answers to questions, I have people that I can call and ask and get the answers to for you. And uh, that's a big benefit. A lot of times I will know the answer just because other people have had the same questions. And again, that's another benefit of having done this for so long and talked to so many people is that there's probably very few questions that I actually have to say, you know, I'm going to have to research that and get back to you, except where it, when taxes are involved because they constantly are changing taxes. That 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 one to bear. So I will pick up the phone and call uh, one of my tax people and ask them if I get a question that I haven't had to deal with before. And something kind of interesting, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but financial advisors who aren't licensed to do taxes are not supposed to answer those questions. <laughs> uh, if you do answer a question, and we do, but we just have to tell you, look, um, you can't 
I'm, I can't stand behind this because we don't, you know, tax, we're not licensed tax preparers and financial advisors who try to do both. I mean, I don't know how you would, could possibly keep up with that. And then you start adding in Medicare planning and Medicaid planning. What do I do if I get sick? There are lots of things that, that you can do to protect your assets, to keep yourself from, from going broke to, uh, having to spend down so much money that your beneficiaries receive nothing. Um, you go into a nursing home, you can actually spend money, so much money there that you know you end up selling your house or they end up selling your house if you're an individual or you, or you just don't have enough money to go back to your house because you can't afford to live there. So you end up staying in a, a nursing home for the rest of your life. Yeah, that, and by the way, that is, that's not an uncommon thing. thing that I just talked about, it's not uncommon. And there are things that you can do to, to protect yourself. So how do I know this? Again, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 30 years. The, uh, oh, most of the wealth in the country is held by people who are over the age of 65. The vast majority of the wealth is held by people who are over the age of 65. Okay. And when you get older like that, and I'm catching up to you guys every day, the, um, your body starts to wear out. You know, your, your body starts to wear out. And this is something I, I really don't hear people talking much about because young people, I'm, the really young people definitely don't care. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, if, if you're not dealing with this yourself, you're probably not thinking much about it. And the way things go, people tend to start thinking about this when they get into their 50s um, because they've probably got parents that are going through this kind of stuff right now. Uh, and uh, financially, uh, this is a tough one. You know, It's incredibly difficult when you get way up in years and you have to start making decisions about healthcare, that gets really complicated because that stuff is incredibly expensive. And, uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about it because most of the people that are suffering from that, they're, they're older. They're not getting on television. They're not marching and on Washington. Uh, they're not, they don't have, you know, it's hard for them to raise their voices. Um, the ones that vote do vote. But, uh, you know, it gets harder to even get out to the polling station. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And now that I hear the music, that means I have to take a really quick commercial break. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. I'll be right back. Anybody here looking for revival? In our own hearts and across the land. Anybody looking for a revival? Lift up your voice and say man. And we are back. Hey, I got a a couple of articles this week from uh, one of my clients, and he was talking about the biggest one-day drops in the Dow, uh, or actually in the uh, stock market in general. And uh, uh, if you go back and you look, it's pretty easy now to uh, Google that kind of thing. And if you look, the the largest one-day drop actually came in 1987. And I'm trying to find here, I I just... uh, I just went away <laughs> from the from the website. Oh yeah, it was a twenty two point six percent decline in nineteen eighty seven. Okay, twenty two percent in a day. <laughs> Man, that, that's a lot. Okay, twenty two percent on uh, the Dow today would put it um, somewhere around twenty thousand. It'd be. Uh, 
It'd be about eight thousand points in the Dow. That that would be the one. That would what you'd have to have. That would be what you would have to have to match the drop in 1987. Now, what's really interesting, you know, when they talked about the stock market crash in the late 20s, 1929, it's a crash. The uh, Well, that was actually only a, an 11% drop. That was 11%. It was, actually it was 12.8%, according to Yahoo Finance. <laughs> so 12% drop, almost 13 13% in one day, and you look at that and you go, well, you know, that's not the end of the world. How did that start the Great Depression? Well, because back then, you could buy stock with 20% down, kind of like buying a home. You would put, let's say you took your life savings and you bought, I don't know, you just bought all the Dow stocks, okay? You bought them equally too, so an equal weighted. Uh, I'm not sure if that would have done better or worse. doesn't really matter. But see, you took your life savings, it's $10,000, which back in those days was a lot of money. And you put it all in, you bought all the Dow stocks, you got $10,000 worth of Dow stocks. Actually, you've got $10,000, but they would let you buy uh, 10000 uh equals $20,200,000. I'm sorry, equals uh, 20% of $50,000. So you bought $50,000 worth of stock, put $10,000 down, you bought $50,000 worth of stock. And in the market, that $50,000 drops by 12%. Okay, drops by 12%. So 12% of 50000 you're talking about $6,000. So out of the $10,000 that you had saved, you just lost 60% of it in a day. <laughs> And oh, by the way, the uh, it's, you're going to get a thing called a margin call. Like if you can't add money to your account, they're going to liquidate that and you're going to lock those losses in. Some of the uh, uh, companies actually had much lower margin requirements than that. That's where it got really crazy. But anyway, I'm going to take a real quick phone call. And by the way, if you'd like to call in today, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And I've got Thad. Yeah, good, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm well, Bill. How are you? Hanging in there. <laughs> hey, I wanted to get your opinion on a stock, uh, Broadcom. And, you know, with this 5G phenomenon taking off, I just wanted to get your opinion as to whether or not this is something I want to jump on board with right now and if there's any other companies that might be in a position to take advantage of this new wireless revolution. Yep, there's uh, Broadcom's definitely going to be a player in that whole uh, game. I'm not sure you need to go with uh, individual stocks, though. I, I put together a uh, a group of stocks that concentrate just on semiconductor stocks because the semiconductors are the biggest winner in this uh, whole 5G, in, in my opinion. I, I'm, I'm sure they will be. And if you, uh, so instead of buying one or two of the stocks in there, if you get the, a basket that's got almost every stock in the industry, because the entire industry is going to do well. And it's a lot safer that way. And you'll put up with a lot less volatility. Um, it's still volatile, man, because you're only, you know, you're, you're holding one industry in the, in that little portfolio. The, uh, but it, I, I like it much better because it's a, uh, it's just safer. 
I've seen what people do, and I see a lot of individual stock prices. And uh, I don't know, one of the first companies I talked about when I first did this radio show, I, I saved the tape, by the way, uh, just so that I could prove it. <laughs> but it was Qualcomm. Nobody knew who Qualcomm was. By the way, Broadcom and Qualcomm were in deal at, in talks to merge, and I can't even remember what happened. Uh, it was just recently. In uh, um, you know, that's Qualcomm ends up going sideways in a in an almost forty percent trading range for three years. After I talked about it, three years, I had people that were giving up on it, and then in two thousand, that thing went up twenty six hundred percent. Now, uh, I didn't catch that whole move. I made enough on it to be really, 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 really happy. <laughs> and uh, that's why I just, uh, individual stocks, I mean, uh, t- how t- how many years have you been buying stocks, Dad? Uh, t- 20 plus years. Okay. So w- what's your average holding period? Uh, I rarely sell. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you rarely sell, this type of industry you got to have super thick skin because the volatility is, I don't have to tell you, you've been doing it for 20 years. The, uh, you know how volatile they can be. So I'm looking at Broadcom right now. I pulled it up. They have 23 billion in revenue. Revenue was up 8.67 in the past 12 months. That's pretty good growth when you're doing $20 billion in sales. Okay. Because 20 billion in order to grow your sales, first of all, you have to resell everything you sold last year. And this is not like gasoline where you're going to use a certain amount every day. That, you know, semiconductors are uh, not a commodity that gets consumed, although it's getting closer to that. In the past, it hasn't been like that. So anyway, you've got to sell the, the $20 billion that you sold last year, and then you've got to try and go out and grow. And to have a, a 9% growth rate, you're talking about uh, close to $2 billion in new business. <laughs> that's amazing that they're able to do that at that size. They must have taken some sort of a um, a write-off because it looks like the uh, quarterly uh, year-over-year growth was down quite a bit. But uh, So I'd have to look further into that. But the gross profit margin, this is the other thing I keep talking about with these things. The gross profit margin is 55%. That's huge. That means after they cover their basic costs you know, of uh, producing the products, uh, they still, they have 55% left over that that's humongous. The net profit margin was uh past 12 months was a little over 8%. I'm sure it actually gets a lot higher than that from time to time, but uh, to make this pretty simple, the, the value of the company is 120 billion. They have 20 billion in revenue. That's six times. So that's pretty high. That's actually twice the industry average, okay. but you know, it's got g- growth. Uh, if I were looking for something to take advantage of 5G, I'm not sure it would be Broadcom. By the way, Broadcom is in uh, several of those ETFs, and it's weighted differently in each one of them. So, I, I, you know, if you want to email me, um, I can mail you back that report on those ETFs because I think that's the best way to take advantage of the 5G by far. Yeah. Yeah, my, my concern with Broadcom is uh, I know they're in a long-running dispute with Apple over some patent items. Right. And, uh, you know, up to, up to a point, uh, up to a couple of years ago, there was a Broadcom chip in every iPhone that was ever sold. Yeah, there are a bunch of chips uh, in uh, 
every iPhone. Um, see, here's my point. Broadcom has $20 billion in revenue. They've got enormous amounts of businesses. And I'm pretty sure the CEO doesn't know what's going on in every division because of their, they're so diverse and they're doing so many different things and they're so big. So this is not what I would call an easy one. The, the products that they sell, their products change almost every year, which means they have to go back and spend a ton of money on research and development, and they don't know if they're going to miss or hit. If they miss, it's back to the drawing board. The, the sales start to slow down a little bit. The profit margins deteriorate, and the stock gets crushed. Okay. Maybe they can get back on track and get it back for the next go round, but that could be two, three, four, five years. And see, that's my problem with going into an individual stock like that, especially a technology stock. That is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. It's one of those stocks you might get in on at the early stages and not something you want to hold for the long term. No. And, uh, and there's a, uh, if it came up on one of my scans, where I'm looking at a different, you know, it's a different methodology. I'm just going to put a, uh, I'm going to invest in it, and then I'm going to put a, a trailing stop on it. That That's different. That's not buy and hold. That's not fundamental value investing. That's momentum investing. And uh, it's got its challenges too. I mean, believe me, <laughs> it's got a lot of challenges. But the, uh, yeah, that that's probably what I would do uh, with a stock like that because it, it's just, you know, it's difficult. I'm looking at the, the website and all the different products they have and all the different divisions they have. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that is really tough. By the way, the first quarter of, of 2018, it was down 31%. And it, since then it's climbed back up and, and made a new high. But when you're holding a stock and it's down 31%, you know, that's, that's not, that's actually not even all that volatile. <laughs> When you look at other stocks, <laughs> it seems really volatile, but when you compare it to other stocks, it's like, yeah, man, that's normal. <laughs> yep, got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Bill. I appreciate oh. your uh, perspective. Hey, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Right, bye. Bye. Yeah. See, <laughs> when you get, you can make um, investing. You can look at all those things. I, I got to tell you, I'd rather go by numbers. Uh, and I say, if I were to go invest in a company like Broadcom, it would be a very specific style, actually very similar to some of the companies that have come up on scans this week. So here's another one uh, that I think will be affected by uh, 5G, is being affected by 5G, MKS Instruments. MKSI is the symbol. It's $93.05, and people go, oh, it's $93. I don't want to buy $93. No, no, no. Don't think that way. You don't want to be attracted to the, the cheap stocks. They're harder to trade. And I, they are harder to trade. I'll go over that in detail at the seminar on May 2nd. Uh, so I'll, I'll spare you the detail right now. But the uh, bottom line is the more expensive they are, the better they are, the easier they are. And it's not like a $93 stock can't go up to a 1000 bucks or so. Ask Amazon or Google if you can do that. Ask Apple if you can do that. So it's a lot easier to buy and sell them as well. You don't have to buy as many shares. That's a big deal. Especially if you're paying, you know, cents per share. You don't have to put as much money in it either. Anyway, MKSI is a company also uh, 
heavily involved in semiconductor business. And here, let me pull that up. I looked it up this week. It came up on a scan, and uh, I really liked it. Um, I didn't buy it, not yet anyway. The uh, was up 3% on Friday, so it came up twice in one week. That, that's kind of a big deal. So uh, look at this one. Revenue is $2 billion. Market cap is $5 billion. That's two and a half times. That's not really that bad. Um, the Broadcom we just looked at was actually almost twice that. So you're getting this one. Their revenue actually had dropped a little bit over the past four quarters. was down about 10%. Their gross profit margin is 45%. Net, 15.5. <laughs> wow. 15.5% after tax on $2 billion. Me likey. <laughs> so market cap is $5 billion. Um, I look at it. It comes up as a momentum play, and... and by the way, these guys are, uh, you know, let me go over to their website again. I guess I can pull that up really quickly. Yeah, they make a lot of equipment that goes into the manufacturing of semiconductors. So if semiconductors are doing really well, and you know that they get, they change the, the semiconductor design uh, every six months, so they have to buy new equipment to make those new semiconductors. And it's, I think it's pretty good business. Uh, is it as easy as Hershey's? No. Chocolate's a lot easier. <laughs> you don't have to go and, and spend a hundred, few hundred million dollars redesigning chocolate every six months. You have to do that with these. But when I look at the stock chart, it's awesome. It's got that's a picture perfect stock chart, and uh, I'll explain what I mean by that at this seminar. See, there are things that happen when a stock's making a really big run that had, that tend to happen multiple times. They tend to happen multiple times. So if you can identify those, if you've got a list, and right now I've got a list, it's actually, there are 49 stocks on the list from Friday. 49, that's a lot. And if I combine all the lists together, it's probably closer to 60 or 70. Now, when I go through these, I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, and I'm going to tell you how to work that weight, that number down. So we've gone from 3,200 stocks down to about 100, and I'll go from 100 down to about four or five in about 15 minutes. So I'll show you. That's part of the, the thing that we're going to be looking at. People ask me a lot of times, by the way, why do you do this? Why do you try to teach what, what you're doing or what you need to do? And uh, the bottom line is, most people are going to go through, you're going to learn how to do it, and then you're going to say, wow, that is a lot like work. <laughs> and I'm going to be going, yes, it is. <laughs> That's why we get paid. It's a lot of work. Hey, we'll go, we'll get back to work right after these commercial messages. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. And we are back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 The Answer. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about what we do, you can go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. Uh, if you'd like to attend that seminar we've been talking about, that's going to be uh, May 2nd. The, the theme was actually, is a recession coming and what should you be doing with your investments uh, if you should be doing anything at all? 
And uh, there are some things that you can do. Some types of strategies tend to hold up a little bit better, uh, especially in an, a recessionary environment. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be, uh, I'm going to show you the Lookout for the Bull website, which will be done. It'll be at least operational at that point in time. It's not going to be completed. That It'll be a work in progress. We'll, we'll be making adjustments along the way. And uh, all this stuff I feel like is, is really important. I think it's important because you'll get to feel, uh, you'll get to understand how difficult investing can be or how simple it can be. You can make it really difficult or you can make it simple. Um, personally, I prefer the simple. I prefer not to try to figure out things that you just can't really know the answers to anyway. Uh, anybody that's been married has had that experience. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we're going to be uh, talking about the Look Out for the Bull website that's coming up. We're going to be talking about what can you do to kind of uh, inflation and recession-proof your portfolios. Um, just good investment management. And I've got a... Uh, uh, phone call here, I think. Okay. I got a Mike. Mike, you're on the lookout. Oh, I was going to say lookout for the bull. You're on the Bullington Capital Report. Billy, good morning. How are you? Oh, hey, how you doing? Good, good. Hey, uh, I just wanted to uh, touch base, and I, I wanted your audience to reflect on a December phone call that you and I had. I think it was on the air when I was in Florida, and we talked about people trying to retire at 2.5%. Right. And how many years it would take them to do it. And right. the markets were crazy and people were giving up. And, you know, I just, you know, wanted to talk about your perspective with your experience. Right. The, the experience that you have from when you started and cut your teeth like, like myself and kind of that journey to where you see things and have a little more clarity and, and, and just talk about your perspective, like even reflecting back to that phone call. Sure. Yeah, actually, my perspective is is exactly the same. <laughs> the uh, anytime you're investing, you know, when we were uh, young, thirty years ago, uh, you would listen to some of the older people, and they would all talk to you about being long term investors, and they meant really long term, you know, really long term. If you're looking out yeah. over the next twelve to eighteen months, you're making a mistake. If you're looking out over the next three to five years, you're probably making a mistake. If you're looking out over the next seven to 10 years, you're on the right track. And that still in the back of my mind has stuck. And, and not only has it yeah. stuck, it's been confirmed and reconfirmed. I can't tell you <laughs> <laughs> many, many times when stressful situations like December come, it kind of, it's good to reflect on that perspective. Yep. And I love going back and looking at the, the charts, uh, which back, 30 years ago, you know, we had to pay big bucks for those. And now you get them for, oh, yeah. now they're super cheap. And uh, it's awesome because you can go back and review and say, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. You know, I remember when the world was coming to the end in the year 2000 because uh, the clocks were all going to stop. The electrical plants were going to shut down. <laughs> you know, satellites were going to be falling from the sky. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you, you yeah. learn that uh, we're very resilient that markets actually work, uh, that you probably shouldn't be 100% invested in stock unless you're 30, <laughs> that you need some yeah. uh, uh, diversification in there, and a lot of the basic stuff. And uh, But yeah, I'm glad you uh, brought that up because that it, that's a really important thing to do. Go back and look. I was thinking about this actually on my way in. I gave a talk, and I was uh, I was 28 years old, 
And I gave a talk to a uh, local Kiwanis organization, and they had about 50 members in it. And I remember one of the ladies, after the end of the uh, uh, talk, she raised her hand to ask a question. She goes, how could you be so optimistic about the future? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm pretty sure the Dow was around 2000 around that time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what's really funny is I'm more optimistic about the future today than I was 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, take a look at the, the popular press today is just absolutely missing all the great news that surrounds this economy oh, and, and jobs and wage gains. It's it's just you, you don't hear a thing about it in the, in the national media. And I, I don't That's, know if I should complain because it keeps me employed. <laughs> yeah. Realistically, people don't have time to go and look up, you know, what happened uh, how did the markets react? What was the long-term effects of these things? Because the vast majority of things that you think are really important end up being a blip on a chart that looks incredibly small. <laughs> when <you> look- <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But hey, 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 great show today. Just wanted to call and just reflect on uh, you know if you if you're getting what what's the ten year yielding today about two uh, two sixty. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Two fifty. So, I mean, it, it takes a long time for a dollar to turn into $2 if you just want to buy a 10-year treasury and be safe. And I oh. think at the end of the day, your, gui- your guidance gives that perspective, and I think it really helps the, the, the listening public who tunes into your show. So, thanks. Well, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate the call. Have a good weekend. Have a good one. You too. Yeah, yeah not that you should have, uh, uh, I mean, you just need perspective. So, uh, and that's another thing that we'll be talking about this seminar. How much risk do I really want to take? And I got this easy. I got this down. I got this so down. I need to actually, I need to copyright this before somebody else comes up and and claims that they put it out. I've been talking about this forever, by the way. And it's been in my risk questionnaire. You know, most risk questionnaires, nobody knows how to answer. Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I think every registered investment advisor has to give their client, try to assess what kind of risk taker they are. And the vast majority of people have no clue as to how they're supposed to answer those questions <laughs> or what they mean. So I set my my goals were to make that as simple as possible. And for the past, I don't know, 15 years, I always ask people, how much fluctuation can you accept in your account? How much fluctuation are you really willing to put up with? Write down the amount of money. And this is how you do it. Write down the amount of money you have in your retirement savings and start subtracting percentages from that and ask yourself, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? You know, to get a decent return in the long run, the stock market's averaged, you know, close to 10% a year. If you go back over the past hundred years or so, but it's dropped 50% or more multiple times along the way. Now it's not that often, but it does happen. So in, uh, I come from the old school of thought that says plan for the worst, hope for the best. So I don't want to pretend that's not going to happen to me because knowing my luck, <laughs> it's already happened twice in one 10-year time period. It happened in the year 2000, happened again in the year 2007. Market went down 50% twice. So you got to figure if that could happen. It doesn't happen often, but if it could, okay, and you were 100% invested, could you take that? You know, the long-term return is a is very good, but you got to be in it to win it. <laughs> you, you can't panic and pull, which uh, I see a lot of people do. Um, 
Fortunately, it's not many of my clients. And I'm pretty sure one of the reasons is because we go through this. It's one question. It, and it, by the way, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, technically, it probably should. Uh, you don't want an 85-year-old who lives on Social Security risking all of his money or her money in stocks. That, that would not be smart. <laughs> so we're going to have a conversation about that. But realistically, write down your savings, start subtracting percentages from that, and then say, okay, where's your uncle point? Where do you get to the point where you go, well, I, just, I would really have problems sleeping if I sell my account value drop that far? And this is what you do with that. You take that number, let's say it's 25%. If I were down more than 25%, I would be incredibly upset. Okay, I don't think I could sleep. Great. Here's what you do. You take 25%, multiply that by two, because 25% is half of 50%, right? And if the market was down 50%, you'd only be down 25%. Woohoo! You're done! <laughs> All those questions that you get from these financial advisors that, that are basically meaningless. The, uh, and I just did that in about 30 seconds. And by the way, mine's more conservative than theirs are. Because they're going to ask you, well, how much fluctuation do you think you can uh, can take or some question that's similar to that. And they're going to show you a portfolio that has a standard deviation. They're even going to use the word fluctuation, and it's only 16%. Uh, yeah, that's under normal conditions. What about when it's down 50? Because we know that happens. And if you're not explaining that, when you show somebody a standard deviation or standard fluctuation of only 16% for the stock market... That's you're hiding material facts, you know, in a, a, a regular court, you lose the, uh, that you, you need to dis- disclose that. And that, that's something that the entire industry really needs to work on. You know, I remember when I was new in the business, I read this thing by Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett said, if you can't stand to see the value of your stocks drop by 50% or more, don't buy stocks. I thought he was kidding. I thought he was kidding. Literally. I went to a, up to a, a manager, one of the managers at the uh, firm that I was working for. Is this, is this true? I mean, stocks really going on 50 plan or more? He goes, oh, no, no, don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, I hear the music. That means my show is over. Hey, you've been listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional.
The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.